welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 31st of July 2016, entitled At Wit's End, and the Bible reading is Psalm 107. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. And... Uh, we're going to, uh, to be looking at this passage this morning, and of course, there's no way. There's a lot of good, good stuff, good meat in this passage, uh, but we're going to try to just pull a couple of little nuggets out of one section of it. But let, me, uh, let us begin by, uh, by reading uh, the, the psalm, and then we'll uh, have a better idea of the context of the verses that we'll be looking at. So I do invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word taken from Psalm 107. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then... They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near into the gates of death. Then they cry, unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then... They cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. 
He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. There he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city of habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to decrease again. They are ministered and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on the high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Father, we thank you again this morning. Lord, for these words that you've preserved for us, help us now in these next moments, Lord, please. You do know each and every heart. We pray, Lord, that you would take and speak that which needs to be spoken, or that you would use your, your humble servant, Lord, here this morning to speak the words that you would have spoken, or that you might do the work that only you can do. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As we read through the entirety of this psalm, we see that it is very much a, a song of thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for his great works of deliverances. And of course, we find that in verses 4 through 32 that it focuses upon the reasons, the cause that they have to rejoice. And it's some of those things that we want to just mention in passing, but then we want to draw our attention in our, in our focus this morning. You see, I want us to think about this very, very simple thought that is taken from the very end of verse 27. He says, they reel to and fro, stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wit's end. At wit's end. You see, as we begin to look here, what is it that brings people to their wit's end? What does it mean to be at wit's end? Well, it's a saying that often gets, gets, gets used, and a lot of people don't even realize that it was a biblical term that they're using in their everyday life, but it literally means to be without wisdom, <laughs> to have done everything that you know to do and don't know any way in the world where you're supposed to go from there. You're at wit's end. You're at the end of all the wisdom that you have in how to handle this situation. How do we get to wit's end? Well, first of all, I want you to consider that we see here at least four times that the Bible brings us down to this, that it's the problems that come crashing in upon us. The problems that come crashing in upon us. You see, we find, first of all, here in the, 
early passage that it was the wandering in the wilderness. No home, hungry, thirsty, most likely looking back to the nation of Israel and they're wandering in the wilderness there. But of course, we find that both physically and spiritually, they were hungry. They were thirsty. They didn't have a home. They were literally wandering around in in no man's land. And then, of course, we find in the next passage in verses 10 to 12 there that they were languishing in bonds. So we have those that are in the world that are just wandering around in wilderness without the strength, the food, the homes, the basic necessities they need. We have those that are languishing in bonds. And again, that can speak both spiritually and physically. Why? Well, in this case, the Bible says it was because they had rebelled against God. We find the interesting thing here is that in almost all of these cases, you can look to where that they had done something to bring this upon themselves. Maybe we could just sit back and say, well, they deserved it. You know, if they'd believed God and trusted God in the first place, instead of looking at all the giants, then they wouldn't have been wandering around in the wilderness for all those 40 years. If they hadn't rebelled against God and his word and his counsel, then they wouldn't have been taken into captivity and been in bonds to another nation. Verses 17 to 18 has to do with their sicknesses, enduring the different things so many times in this life. You know, we face physical realities that are very hard to cope with. And of course, again, as in all of these cases, we can face We can face these illnesses physically or spiritually. And again, sometimes maybe we have to take responsibility for bringing some of those things upon ourselves. But we find that these here were literally, they were so ill, they were so sick that they had reached the point that they weren't eating, sleeping, doing any of the basic things that they needed because their illness had took them to that point. We find that This is a pretty big picture that would cover so many of the things that maybe even some of you here today, maybe you have been at wit's end and you've come back from there, but maybe there are some of you that are here today that are at wit's end. You just don't know what to do or where to go. You seem to have done everything that you know to do, and there's just no answer. And what I want you to see is in each and every one of these cases, whether it's wandering in the wilderness, whether it's languishing in your bonds, whether it's enduring sickness, you could find yourself in a lot of these situations. But of course, I think maybe the last one maybe identifies with more than anyone else. That's when we pick up here in verse 23. says, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters... These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end, being storm-tossed being tossed about in a storm that is so bad that you reach wit's end, that you just don't have any more wisdom, you don't have any more thoughts, you don't know what to do. Find that 
I've heard the saying said before that most people only look up when they're flat on their backs. Many times that's so, so true. As we look at this passage today, I want you to keep in mind that time and time and time again in Scripture, well, there is no doubt. (laughs) There is no doubt of the physical storms that can come, but storms symbolize chaos, disorder, big troubles in our life. I don't know how many of you may have heard, but I want to relate a story that you may have studied about it in school. You may have read about it. How many of you recognize the name Andrea Gale? That name mean anything to anybody? Andrea Gale. Well, the Andrea Gale is a 72-foot-long fishing vessel. It was built in 1978. 365 horsepower, turbocharged diesel engine, capable of speeds up to 12 knots, which was phenomenal speed for a vessel like that. Seven, type one life preservers on board. Six, imperial survival suits. Two, emergency position indicating radio beacons. And a Givens Alto inflating life raft. I mean, it was equipped with the finest equipment ever. Equipped to face any emergency that it would come upon. September 20th, 1991, with a crew of six men, the Andrea Gale left port in Gloucester, Massachusetts. About five weeks later, on October 28th, the crew of the Andrea Gale found itself in the middle of what was dubbed, and even a movie was later made about, entitled The Perfect Storm. The Perfect Storm. Just off the banks of Newfoundland, one hurricane, one cold front, one gale force winds all came together to form one of the most terrible storms ever recorded in history. William Van Dorn wrote this. He said, in violent storms, there is so much water in the air and so much air in the water that it becomes impossible to tell where the atmosphere stops and the sea begins. That may literally make it impossible to even distinguish what's up and what's down. In other words, he's saying that when you get into this storm with all of this water and all of this wind, that it becomes hard to even know what's what and which end is which. It's been scientifically determined that Waves or seas that reach the height of 45 feet actually have an angled face of something like 60 to 70 feet. That's tall. Ideally, in the seas, when the waves start getting high, the captain will face his ship right into the storm, right into the waves, and head head on straight into it. And in theory, that's supposed to let the vessel right up the face of one and back down the other side. That's theory because, first of all, (laughs) the success of it depends upon the timing of those waves that he's trying to ride. You see, unless there's enough time between each one of those waves, 
the vessel wouldn't be able to recover from one before the other came, came crashing in upon it. The shorter the period becomes between those waves, the steeper that the waves get that they have to climb and come back down as they break. 45-foot breaking waves are much, much more destructive than rolling swells that are twice that size. Another concern is whether or not the angled face of that wave is taller than the ship is long. You see, if that's the case, then the wave will simply just toss the ship end over end and come crashing down on it, and it ends up at the bottom of the ocean. And, of course, there's another final concern of any captain. That's what's known as rogue waves or freak waves. These are those that everything else is in perfect timing. He starts getting, and these waves just come out of nowhere with no warning at some unexpected angle, and they're just not ready for it because it's not like anything else they're facing out there. At 8 o'clock in the evening on October 28, 1991, this storm off of Newfoundland was gaining in strength, and it was creating a tremendous vacuum. And of course, we know that that's part of the problem is that nature itself, when there is a vacuum, it starts doing everything it can as fast as it can to fill that vacuum. So around 8 o'clock, the waves are catching up with the wind. They begin increasing just exponentially. They're literally doubling in size every hour. After 9 o'clock, every graph line from the data boy is climbing vertically straight up. Maximum wave heights were peaking at 45 feet, dropping briefly, and then nearly doubling to 70. By that time, the captain and the crew, the Andrea Gill, they just gave up on trying to head towards home. What they did instead was simply began trying to survive. In a sense, the captain was no longer in control. Things were completely out of his hands. All he can do now is react. He can't plan. He can only react to what's happening around him. And so there was only one thing to do, and that's, as they call, batten down the hatches and hang on for dear life. Somewhere during the day on between the 28th of October and the 30th, those seas reached almost unprecedented sustained heights of some 90 feet, sometimes reaching over 100 feet. Somewhere during those three days, the Andrea Gale, unable to climb into the wave, just sucked into the storm and was never, ever heard of again. You see, I tell you that because that's what the Bible is describing here in Psalm 107. It's describing that type of storm, a storm that is so furious that it causes those that are caught in the middle of it, he says here, just to, to reel to and fro. Notice the description. He says their soul is melted because of the trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunk man and are at their wits' end. It's so violent 
that with all the training and all the planning and all of the best equipment in the world that you can possibly have, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to overcome it. You see, that is where people get in their lives a lot of times. The storm may come out of nowhere. It may be the perfect storm. It may not be like anything that you would have suspected or whatever, but you come to that point when all the training and all the best equipment and everything that's there, you're out of control. You have no control in the situation. You see, that is wit's end. That's when that, when you're on deck, you feel like all you can do is batten down the hatches and hold on. Sometimes you feel that those giant waves are just going to crush you. It looks like at times that it's all over. Total despair starts creeping in. That feeling of helplessness, the vulnerability to all of the the powerful elements around you that you have no control over, unable to do anything to stop it. You can't stop the storm. You can't escape the storm. You're just caught in the middle of it and you're powerless to do anything yourself. Which end has nothing to do with geography. It has to do everything with where you are, wherever you are in this world, a condition that afflicts most Christians at some time or another. When you get to that place, you know the Hebrew word that is translated at wit's end there literally means all their wisdom is swallowed up. All their wisdom is swallowed up. Everything that they know, everything that they think, everything that's there is gone. You've exhausted it. When you're at wit's end, you've been spun around to where just like on these seas, you don't even know which end is up. No escape, no help, no deliverance. Maybe it's some of those sleepless nights When you lay there and life's troubles all seem to be just coming in, crashing in upon you at one time, waves don't come one at a time. They're one after the other after the other. Fast and furious and sometimes they just seem to be getting higher and higher. It's like these sailors. You just feel your soul begins to melt. It wits in, just like those aboard uh, the Andrea Gale. You may say, there's no point in trying to guide this. We just got to hang on and try to survive. You don't see any hope for reprieve. You're not even sure the vessel's going to be able to survive it. Have you been there? Is there somebody that's there today? That's the point in your life when all of your wisdom has been swallowed up. That's what the Bible's saying. You don't, all of your training, all of your learning, everything that you've done to prepare, and you've done it so well, and yet, how did you get in such an unexpected storm? 
is crashing in. I just, God has given this for a purpose. And today, the problems that come crashing in can be very real. But I want you to notice something else about this account. We could spend a long time here, but not only, not only the problems that come crashing in, but the power that controls it all. <laughs> the power that controls it all. You see, in every instance here, the individual has lost control, but there is a person that is in control. There is somebody in control. And there is that one person that can help. As we begin to notice here, I would remind you that Charles Spurgeon said this about this passage. He says, some men will never pray till they are half starved. For their best interest, it is far better for them to be empty and faint than to be full and stout-hearted. If hunger brings us to our knees, it is more useful to us than feasting. If thirst drives us to the fountain, it is better than the deepest droughts of worldly joy. And if fainting leads to crying, it is better than the strength of the mighty. Don't always see the problems as something bad. We find that in most of these situations here, the problems were there for reason. You see, God is the one. What did he say there in, in, in verse 25? It says, for he, God, commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. It's God that is in control. He's the one that allowed these sailors to be in this place in the first place. You say, wow, <laughs> thanks a lot, God. Why would you want me to be at this place in my life? Why would you want me like this? In fact, we sometimes forget there can be great encouragement to our faith when we go through the troubled times, come out the other side. When trouble seems to just hit us from all sides. We, we need to have the knowledge that just as the Bible is teaching us here, God is in control. We may have. Sometimes we need to get to the point, if you would, that we do lose control so that we can recognize that God is in control. He has a situation in hand. The great verse that we often quote, but do we really let it find a dwelling place in our heart? When he says, for all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose today. It doesn't say everything is good, but it does say that everything, if you belong to God, the good, the bad, the sweet, the sour, everything will work together for your good. Find that it may or may not have anything to do with sin in your life. Sometimes we need to do a little cleaning up. Either way, the Lord's still the one that's in control and that will bring it to ultimate good. Sometimes it's the Lord that has to allow us to get to wit's end so that we give up trying to do it ourselves and do it our way and leave it to him. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice, 
Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Don't think it's bad. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I don't know if he had any of this in mind when he was, the psalmist was writing this, but, you know, Jonah spent three nights in the belly of the whale after his ship went down. <laughs> but three days later, boy, he knew joy when he came out of there. Jesus spent three days in the center of the earth, but on the third day, <laughs> joy not only for him, but for the whole world as a result. You see, I don't know where you are today. But some of you may be in the midst of a fiery trial that you're going through right now. Well, the Bible says don't think it strange. Don't think it's some strange thing to happen to you because you're a Christian. Think of what Christ suffered for you as you suffer with him. He says you'll also rejoice with him. God is not surprised by your situation. You may be at wit's end. And you may literally have lost total control. You've had to take your hands completely off. You don't know what to go. You don't know anything to do. Well, let me remind you. The problems may be crashing in upon you. But the power, the person that's in control is God himself. He's got it. The devil's a liar. The Holy Spirit is real and he's a power and he lives within you. Jesus is with you. The devil is a defeated foe. Everything will come out right. You will be able to rejoice. God cannot allow you to go through it and it not be for your good. We're talking about when you get to wit's end. That's the end of your straw. There's nowhere else to go. All the human ability in the world is finished with. There's no escape. There's no solution. There's no answer. There's no way out except the person that's in control. It may well be the perfect storm, the worst storm of your life. It might be financial struggles that have come crashing in and you just can't see how to make ends meet. Might be business troubles. Might be job problems. Might be that somebody has said the most God-awful things about you. It's not true, but a lot of people are believing it. Might be a family situation that you're struggling with and it just seems to get worse and worse. It might be health problems. It could be anything. Can we grasp that? That's why he gives us all of these illustrations. It doesn't matter what it is. I've spent some of those restless nights. Some of those restless nights when you toss and turn and cry and sweat till you can't tell one from the other anymore. No sleep to be found because you're at wit's end. You got all this coming in and you just don't know what to do. You maybe finally get off to sleep and you wake up and you got that dull ache in your stomach because the problem's still there. You grope in your mind. You try to figure out something, some way. 
You may even ask yourself, how much do I have to endure? How long? God, what's this all about? Why am I a Christian if this is what it's for? When is it all going to end? May I say to you, when those problems come crashing in upon you, remember the person that's in control. Remember that God is there. Maybe you're right where you need to be. That storm is real. And you've reached wit's end where you honestly have nowhere else to go. You see, that's what I want you to see, the third thing that we see here. Verse 28 says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. The problems come crashing in. Remember the person, the power that's in control is God himself. Remember the petition that we cry to the Lord, Lord, have mercy upon me. You know that in every one of these situations that we've read here, all of these instances, we find those exact same words. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Did you hear that? They cried to the Lord. Yes, the problems were real, but God was in control. And when they got to wit's end, when they had nothing else to do, they cried unto the Lord in their troubles, and he delivered them, praise God. Always, always. You may have wanted to be delivered, delivered yesterday or last week instead of today or tomorrow or next week, but I promise you, if we have any hope, if there's anything to our Christian faith, he is the deliverer. He will deliver you. You will come out and you will be able to rejoice. You see, they cried in the midst of their trouble, when they reached wit's end, when they turned away from their own logic, from their own solutions, from their own reasoning, they turned to the only one that could really help. They turned to God. They cry to God. They cry to God alone. You see, try to imagine what those cries must have been like. They thought it was over. There literally was no way out of this. Then they cried to the Lord in the midst of those troubles. Isn't it amazing? I mean, God tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, I imagine these prayers were getting pretty fervent when they were buckled down in the hash and, and the waves were crashing in and they saw no end to the story. You say, but yeah, preacher, the Andre Gale didn't come out of the storm. Oh, you always come out of the storm. <laughs> you always come out of the storm on one shore or another and it's never, ever, ever going to be to your detriment. <laughs> I think it's just a shame that we have to get to wit's end before that we cry out to the Lord as these do so many times. So you got the problems that are crashing in, the power that's in control, the petitions that we cry out, but fourthly notice the provision that calms the storm. What was it he said there? 
Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. God brought them out of their distress. He calmed the storm. He stilled the waves. He brought gladness to, gladness to them. He brought the, the calmness that nobody else could. You know, but there's where I guess I should say that ought to be enough to even make a Baptist shout sometimes. God always, do you understand? He never, ever, 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 you can't not be victorious with him. I know this is what he's trying to tell us. We've been there. We're going there. Some of you may be right there right now. You may be at wit's end. You don't understand. Yes, those waves come crashing in. Yes, it's real. Yes, you don't know the answers. You don't know where you're going to go from here. You don't know what. Well, remember, God's still on the throne. And remember that because of Jesus Christ, if you have Christ today and if he is in your life, you have access to the one that's in control. He's there for you. He hasn't gone on holiday like some of our people. <laughs> he's there, and he's always there for you. You see, we see the provision, the provision that calms the storm. God is the one that always, he's the one that brought them out of their distress. When did God calm the storm? When did God tell those waves to sit down? <laughs> when did they become glad because of the calm and the peace. When did God do all that? May I say, it came when they got to wit's end. It came when all of their wisdom was swallowed up. It came when they quit trying to fix it and do it themselves. He didn't do it when they were in control. He didn't do it when they were trying to figure it all out on their own. He didn't do it when they came to that place when they really, really thought they could handle anything. But it was when they came to the place of hopelessness <laughs> that God stepped in. When they came to the understanding that they weren't the ones in control, but they knew the one that was. When they recognized him and called upon him, then and only then, did God move on the scene and accomplish the impossible? You see, I want to give you one final thing. You find that again in each and every one of these. It says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The praise that confirms God's goodness. God deserves the praise today. You know, he, he goes on further to, to say in our, in our passage, he says, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Do we realize today, God said to the apostle Paul, why do you, why do you kick against the pricks? Paul, feel Saul, <laughs> Why are you fighting against this, Saul? We find that so many times we just cause ourselves more trouble. We're just not willing to give it over to God. 
I can assure you the greatest thing that happened in Paul's life was probably what seemed like to him at the time the worst thing that had ever happened. <laughs> man, you know, here he is. He's struck down. He can't see right there in the middle. You know, he's, he's a man of power, and suddenly he's laying on the ground helpless. The greatest day of his life. And he gave his life over to the Lord. We find that somebody, somebody could be keeping the storm raging just simply because you're still trying to control it. You're trying to do it yourself. You may be missing the calm that God wants to bring you because you haven't really given it over to him. Are you questioning the Lord in the middle of the crisis, or are you remembering that he's the one in control? Are you calling out to him? Are you giving it over to him? Too many times we want to do like what was the old TV program, Phone a Friend. <laughs> we want to get somebody else's wisdom. God's right there. We just prolong it all. We're trying to phone our friend that doesn't really know any more than we know in the first place, but makes us feel better sometimes. Sometimes we want to turn to all the world's counselors, all the world's ideas. Folks, I thank God. I thank God for the medical profession, all those that are there. But I don't care what profession you're in. When this doesn't have its rightful place, you're in the wrong place. Always turning to human help. We need to be turning to God for help. I want to read you a poem as we come to an end this morning. Written by a lady called Antoinette Wilson. It's called Wits End Corner. Are you standing at Wits End Corner, Christian, with troubled brow? Are you thinking of what is before you and all you are bearing now? Does all the world seem against you and you in the battle alone? Remember, at Wits End Corner is where God's power is shown. Are you standing at Wits End Corner blinded with wearying pain, feeling you cannot endure it, you cannot bear the strain, bruised through the constant suffering, dizzy and dazed and numb? Remember, at Wits End Corner is where Jesus loves to come. Are you standing at Wits End Corner, your work before you spread, or lying begun and finished and pressing on heart and head, longing for strength to do it, stretching out trembling hands? Remember, at Wits End Corner, the burden bearer stands. Are you standing at Wits End Corner yearning for those you love? longing and praying and watching, pleading their cause above, trying to lead them to Jesus, wondering if you've been true. He whispers at Wits End Corner, I'll win them as I won you. Are you standing at Wits End Corner? Then you're just in the very spot to learn the wondrous resources of him who faileth not. No doubt to a brighter pathway your footsteps will soon be moved, but only at wit's end corner is the God who is able proved. Only when you get to wit's end, only when your wisdom is swallowed up, when you get to that point that you call out to him. Father, I thank you today that as we gather here in your house, Lord, I know that you spoke to this preacher's heart because I think that Lord, most of us 
can grasp and understand. Lord, that we come to those places in life sometimes when our wisdom is swallowed up. We're at wit's end. We sometimes don't know how we got there and we don't know where to go. We may have planned and had all the right resources and all the best equipment, but in the end, Lord, we're in a situation where the problems come crashing in. Lord, help us to remember the person that's in control. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, with our petitions to cry out to you, knowing that you are there, that you care. Lord, for the provisions that will bring the calm, you're the one, you're the only one. Help us to praise you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. Help us to praise you, Lord. And Father, as we gather here today, Lord, my greatest burden, my greatest desire would be that there might be someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Father, as we look across this congregation, we realize that, Lord, many people from many different backgrounds, but there's only one Jesus. There's only one way, salvation. So I pray, Lord, that if there will be one in our midst today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, maybe that's why you've brought them here today. Help them to be reminded, Lord, too many people, they're in that first place where the, where the storms keep coming. The waves keep crashing in. The problems are real. But, Lord, they've never turned to the person that's in control, the power from on high. Lord, today maybe they need to give up on themselves and come to you the only way they can, Jesus Christ. Father, for your children here today, Lord, some of these that we read about, that we've looked at in this passage, that, Lord, they brought the problems on themselves. It was because of sin or rebellion and things in their life. But, Lord, the encouraging thing is that even when they brought it on themselves, when they got to wit's end and were willing to let go and, and just call out to you, you were there. And, Lord, here today, no matter where they've been and what they've done, we know that you're there for them. So I pray, Lord. Work in hearts as only you can. Save those that are lost. Strengthen, encourage, lift those up that need to be saved. Father, we pray that you just, for each and every one of your children, or that you give them whatever it is they need this day, help them to realize it doesn't matter how fierce the storm is, you're the one that controls the storm. You wouldn't be there in the first place if you weren't there for them. So I pray, Lord, if there's some here today that maybe need Maybe they need to call out to you today in their distress. We give you all the praise, all the thanks. In Christ's name, amen. Mm -hmm.